the HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Yeah, it's called Conversations with Jeff, not Screaming Matches. Yeah, I, 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 you and I do not agree on Calvinism. But look how nice we are to each other. I think it's going to really shock a lot of people, thrill a lot of people. A lot of people are going to have to do some soul searching. It's like, you know what? What are you doing? You're spending all your time trying to destroy another Christian because you don't understand what's going on when you should be out there winning people for Jesus. Right. Thank you for the job you're doing. Thanks for being willing to address these kind of issues. They're vital to the church. I feel sorry for what's coming your way, but God bless you, man. It's it's a good, healthy conversation, and, and let's keep growing together in the Lord. People won't change unless they hear the truth, though, and so we need to know the truth, uh, speak the truth, and then the last one I would say is that we need to stay in the truth uh, no matter what the consequences are. Okay, everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Conversations with Jeff. Uh, I've got a great guest that we're going to have on, but uh, before we get to our guest, wanted to first uh, remind you all, uh, we've got our membership program plugged in. Uh, for 10 bucks a month, you get access to the a lot of the videos and uh, the video content we, that we put out within po- the podcast. Um, we're putting out the, uh, the audio for free um, afterward, the live stream. We're going here on Facebook and that sort of thing, and then it'll roll into our membership program um, over there at Plugged In. Um, but then also with that as well, we've got our upcoming conference, uh, Destroy Social Justice. Uh, we're going to be announcing the lineup this week actually for that, so make sure you guys... Um, also go ahead and sign up for plugged in as well. Cause all plugged in members will get access to that conference for free. Um, so again, gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in. Um, you guys can go join over there and I'm really looking forward to this conference we've got coming up. Um, but today I'm really excited to be bringing on, um, Deanna Lorraine, who is actually campaigning for Congress going up against Nancy Pelosi. Um, and so I'm really glad that we could, uh, have you here on the podcast and thanks for joining us here in conversations. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, now the, the first question that I've got for you obviously Mm -hmm. is why did you decide to go up against Nancy Pelosi, the speaker of the house and essentially the most powerful person in the legislative branch? Well, first of all, is it really called the Speaker of the House when the person cannot really speak coherently? I think we might need to change that, change it's, that position it's a, title. It's a, fa- it's a fair point. It's a fair point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you can't do the job duties well, you might need to be fired or retire. I ran and running up against her because when you hear the words coming out of her mouth every day, when you hear the attacks on our president every day, when you see and hear her actions 
that's a betrayal to the American people and to the Constitution, how could you not want to fight against that? How could your blood not boil in anger and in frustration? That's why I'm running up against her, because someone has to. Someone has to challenge her. This woman has been in Congress since I was a toddler. She's been in Congress for decades, okay? And she has done nothing except destruction. You know, President Trump calls her do-nothing Democrats, but I disagree with him on that. It's do-destruction Democrats. They have destroyed this once beautiful country. And what she has been doing to San Francisco, which is her actual district, even though she's really running the country, I mean, she is leading the country in a way, almost as if she's the second president, she wants to do to the rest of America. And I'm not going to let that happen. I almost moved out of California. I've been born and raised in California my whole life. I used to love my beautiful state. But then Democrat policies have taken over, washed over this land, and it's gotten so bad, so unlivable, so communist that I've been wanting to leave for some time now. I was either going to go to Texas or Florida. But then I thought, I, I'm i not a quitter, first of all. I never have been in life. And I've always been someone that that tries to fight and do everything I can before I decide a case is closed, okay? So I'm like, I'm just going to fight this. I'm going to give it my all, throw my hat in the fire, and see if I can challenge this grotesque Nancy Pelosi and see if I can actually make a change and hear Americans' cries and actually do something about it. Again, she hasn't had a serious challenger ever, and someone needs to get out there and call her out on her atrocities. Someone has to get out there and challenge her, and someone has to take her place. I mean, she cannot turn the rest of America into this San Francisco hellhole that she has conducted, and so that's why I'm running. Whether I'm actually in Congress or not, which I'm playing to win to take her seat, and anything can happen, miracles can happen, um, I still would consider it a victory if we woke up a lot of hearts and minds, especially in San Francisco and California, and we we uh, you know, really gave them a run for the money and uh, shake some things up, cause some fires around here. You know, We really need someone who's going to shake things up, and that's me. That's why I'm running. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, like the interesting thing is because because I I lived in San Francisco for a little over a year or so, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it, obviously it's it's got a bad rap as being crazy liberal, insane yeah. progressive to the left, which in reality the leadership is for sure. But there are still some pretty solid conservative pockets and a lot of prominent Republicans that are in the San Francisco area that I think they're kind of they're they're silent, but they're there. To a certain degree. Yeah. And, and I think it's just a matter of kind of waking those people up because I think that a lot of times what ends up happening is Americans in general, I feel like, believe in conservative principles mm-hmm. if you actually focus on the principles. Yes. But everybody's so identified with their favorite politician, like let's say Nancy Pelosi, like in, mm-hmm. your, in, your, in your case for who you're going up against, that they just go along with whatever they say. And I feel like that's part of the problem that I think we're going to have to combat in general is – focus on the issues as opposed to the person because everybody just identifies with their favorite politician. Exactly. That's the hard thing. You know, people are so about party now and they're, we're so polarized. And in that way, I think Trump could maybe do a better job of bringing people in and saying, let's, you know, focus on the issues. And he's doing a great job, really focusing on things that are common sense. But people seem like they're just so stuck on hating him that they can't they can't get their mind wrapped around the fact that he's talking about issues that everybody is affected by. 
And so when I try to talk about just the issues, I get a great response. People are excited. They want to fix the homeless problem. They want to reduce crime. They want to increase jobs. They want to protect our free speech, and they want to have stronger American families. But if I say I'm a Republican, all of a sudden they run away a lot of times in San Francisco. So I've just tried to get, you know, try to get people who are souls that are savable, so to speak. And a lot of those come in the form of no party preference, independent voters, and then more moderate Democrats who can actually be aware enough to see that there's some really crap, so crappy things going on. And Nancy Pelosi is really leading us off a dangerous cliff. Yeah. Now, now I, th- I think one, one of the questions that I think, you know, a lot of us conservatives would have for somebody mm-hmm. that's going up against like a Nancy Pelosi is how, how do you envision defeating her in such a liberal, a liberal part, not only of Cal- not only of the country, but a liberal part of the liberal state of California? Because I think, because I think to a certain degree, I think it's like, I think a lot of people don't go up against her because they're like, oh, there's no chance of winning. But clearly, you think that there's a chance of winning. So, what what's your strategy, kind of going forward on whether it's messaging or strategy or whatever it is, in order to actually get out there, get your message out there, and you know promote the conservative principles you're running on? Well, first of all, if everyone thought like that, that there's no point in even running and throwing yourself in the fire because it's an unwinnable district, or it's a, just a tough blue district, or it's a political Goliath like. Nancy Pelosi or Maxine Waters, if we all thought that, then we would continue to just lose. We would continue to lose our districts, our states, and our country soon to basically a socialist country. And we wouldn't even have had Trump. So we can't continue to think like that. I know it's 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 it might seem logical, but we can't think like that. I don't think God wants us to think like that either. Just wave the white flag of surrender. We have to, at the very least, run to show people that we're here. We are conservative voices are here and these values and these issues are worth fighting for at the very least run so that we know that we can tell people that, that it's worth fighting for number one. And number two, obviously when I'm talking to a bunch of Republicans, I can, I can be fully uh, bold and loud and say, I love Trump and I love this president and I'm a conservative Republican Christian. Okay. And they love it. Uh, and they're high, excited and they're hungry for it. But obviously, you know, it's the more intelligent strategy when I'm talking to no party preference voters, independents and more moderate Democrats around here, which there are many. And in fact, San Francisco has the highest number of no party preference registered voters in any district in California. So that should tell you that people are hungry for someone who it speaks to them and speaks to their values and interests and not just uh, going by party. So when I talk to them, all I want to do is come from a place of listening. What is the what are, what are the biggest things that matter to you? What do you, what are you worried about? What are you concerned about for you and your family? And I present my issues that I'm championing, like building stronger families, having stronger national security, which protects you and your children. Uh, you know, reducing crime reducing getting at least a handle on the homeless situation and all the trash and needles and feces on the streets, protecting our constitutional rights like free speech, right, and religious liberty, and uh, developing, strengthening the family unit, which is so broken right now. These are things that really affect everybody. The opioid crisis is something I also want to champion. 
But when I when I actually have conversations about these things, I can find some common ground. Someone has a brother that's suffering from the opioid crisis or a family member that's gone homeless. Somebody is out of a job or someone has been affected by an illegal immigrant. You know, these are kinds of things that if we just if I, if I don't necessarily come right out and say I'm a Republican, then they're a little more friendly and I can have good conversations with them. And I find that by the end of the conversation, they say, you know what? I may I have not voted for Republican for a long time, but I like you. You listen. We have a great conversation. I like your platform and I will vote for you. So that tells me that there are so many of them like that on a mass scale that just want to be talked to. They just want to be heard and they want someone who's reasonable. They want someone who stands for common sense, common sense issues. And that is me. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's the interesting thing, too, I feel like is kind of why somebody like Donald Trump was elected as president was, A, he was willing to go up against uh, the establishment that basically nobody thought that he was going to win. When he came down that escalator, nobody thought that he had a chance of winning. Right. And yet he basically proved them all wrong. But but then the other side of it is that what's interesting is like you look at a lot of his positions. Mm -hmm. Democrats 10, 15, 20 years ago said the exact same things. But it's almost like what's happening is Democrats choose to oppose whatever Republicans believe and Republicans choose to oppose whatever Democrats believe. And to a certain degree, that's really what's always kind of gone on within the, the establishment, especially, I think. Um, but but it's but I think that that really goes to show that a lot of the Democrats and the establishment Re Republicans, they don't actually have principles. They're just looking for how can I win the next election? And that's where exactly. I think that's where I think a lot of a, a lot of the conservative people, like the true conservative people that are rising up, like yourself, I think I think are doing a great service to our country because it's like at least we have some people that are principled, and I th feel like that's what we need more of. We absolutely do need more of that. We need boldness too. My campaign slogan is "God, Family, Country," and so many people at first said, "You're crazy. How could you say that in San Francisco? How could you?" How could you even put that in your campaign slogan? That's too bold. But what the hell? I mean, God should never be a dirty word. And the fact that I say God, family, and country, and people feel afraid to say it, they can't say it, is exactly how we got into this position to begin with in our country. It's why our country is so out of order and, and corrupt, because we have taken God out of our culture, out of our conversations, out of our country, out of our schools. We've taken morals out, and now the left has replaced a shared sense of morality with moral relativity and made it almost not it, – it's politically incorrect to say – to talk about God in public or to read a Bible. Um, it's politically correct to say that the family unit is broken. You know, the family unit is broken, and no politician has been addressing that. No politician has talked about the ramifications of no-fault divorce since it became the law of the land in the 1960s, or radical feminism, the effect that radical feminism has had on the family unit or on men and women, the relationship between them, the effect uh, that that uh, progressive policies and ideologies have had truly on our families, on our relationships, and on our culture, our kids. No one's really able to freely talk about that. When they are, they're banned from social media or they're labeled a hateful bigot. We need to stop. We need to throw political correctness out the window if our country truly is to become great again. So whatever happens, if San Francisco loves me for being bold like this and saying how it is, then great. You know, we will see a true, real awakening come the polls on March 3rd in the primary. Uh, but if they don't and they hate me for it uh, and they don't vote for me and it's not popular, 
that's okay. At least I know that I didn't bend my morals or self. I didn't, I didn't uh, turn myself into a pretzel because of what people thought I should do. I stuck to my beliefs and that's what's important. And I think that's what God wants in his messengers and his armies, people who are willing to be brave enough to tell the truth. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, and I think, and I think the other, the other way to kind of like look at elections in general isn't necessarily like, okay, I lose an election. So that, so then that, so then that means I need to redefine my position. I think, I think what it actually means is that we need to go out more and do a better job of explaining our positions and convince more people to come over to our side for next time around. And I feel like what's kind of happened over the years with the, like the rhinos and that sort of thing is that they're just looking at, okay, what's the strategy? Do we right. need do do we need to change this? Do we need to change this? Do we need to be more inclusive here, less inclusive there? That sort of thing, as opposed to just looking at, let's have a principle, let's run on it, and then let's just use logic and reason and convince more people to come over to our side. And I feel like finally we're starting to have a good solid group of uh, people rising up in politics that are actually kind of taking that position. I think you know, like for example, I really like that Dan that Dan Crenshaw. After he mm-hmm. makes, after he votes on something, he'll go on Instagram and explain, this is why I voted this way. Most yeah. politicians don't do that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. We, we need people like that, you know, and, and we need people who, you know, it's, it's like the more liberal uh, we get and we allow ourselves to be, then the harder it's going to be to write that ship because people are very indoctrinated. So it's talking common sense to people who are heavily indoctrinated is kind of almost like talking Greek to people. It's like another language. Um, but we still, we have to do it. And we have to do it in a way that, you know, we might be able to revise our strategy for reaching people a little bit more, but we have to still do it. You know, one of my strategies that I'm doing is um, I'm going to be releasing the, announcing my San Francisco poop petition. Okay. Now it sounds really gross, but I'm trying to find an issue one issue that everybody, most people at least in San Francisco, can agree with. They can, they're very frustrated with the mounting of feces and trash and needles on the streets. And it seems to be getting worse. So if we, if we launch a petition that, and have people sign it in San Francisco and say, are you frustrated with this? Do you want more action on this? And slowly, you know, knowing that I'm the one who's spearheading this and wanting to make the changes, wanting to figure out how to, how to clean this up, then they can slowly come around to more issues. You know, we, we find common ground on one issue, then we can find common ground in another issue and know that they're open to that. The people that are what I call the souls that are savable, right, they, they will come around to me. And then, of course, there are going to be a lot of souls that are just – that may not be savable. They're just too far gone and set in their ways. Yeah. But well, I do no. believe there's a great awakening happening right now. I do believe there's a wake, an awakening that people are – uh, waking up to the lies of the media, the lies of the left, you know, the lies of everything that they've been taught has been a lie in, in many senses. And I think they're they're hungry for just the truth and they're hungry, hungry for people that are straight shooters, that are Americans, not politicians that come from political pedigrees, have been, you know, living in politics or a mansion their whole life. They want someone real. They want someone who's going to truly care about the country and care about their well-being. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, and I, and, I th- and I think that part of the problem uh, with politics in general, I think, is that you have um, basically the way the way that politicians raise their money is off of conflict, right? Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening is I feel like the majority of politicians don't actually want to solve problems because then they have nothing actually to run on. 
Because yeah. as long as there's a problem, then they can run on it. And that goes for immigration. It goes for, you know, um, you know, it goes for homelessness. It goes for drug use. It goes for virtually any possible issue out there. They always need to have a conflict so that, that way they can raise money off of it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's, that's very evident in this whole San Francisco side of homelessness and the feces in the street and needles. And honestly, like, for everybody that's watching, like, this – it, San Francisco is like the brunt of a joke a lot of times to conservatives, mm-hmm. but it's it's real life. Mm-hmm. Like I I've lived there. I go the, I go to San Francisco quite often. It's it's real life. It's nuts. It's insane, and it needs to be dealt with. But I think the Democrats and, and the Republicans in general don't actually want to do anything about it because then they then they have nothing to raise money off of. I totally agree with you, and I also agree that these are complex problems that we are not addressing the root of still. And I, you know, if I were elected in Congress, I would really, if you look at my platform, which by the way, DeannaForCongress.com, you can look at my platform, what I'm championing, but I'm trying to get like a doctor, like get to the root of the problems and our our policy level, you know, the uh, the actual politics and the policies, the legislation, we need changes on that level. But what also needs a lobotomy is the culture right? We, our culture has really decayed and we need to change both the culture and the, the, the legislation, the politics. And, and one of those things is that more people should be talking about is the root of homelessness, right? The root of drug addicts, the root of mental illness, the root problem of school shootings and mass shootings. We're talking about, we're addressing so much about the symptoms of it. You know, but we're not talking about the root problems. And one of the major root problems is the broken family unit, fatherless homes, broken families. They create shooters. They create mental health problems. They, beca- they, they create anger problems and behavior problems. They create homelessness and people locked up in the criminal system. They create those things. And the broken, the family unit has been broken for so long. We're not talking about that. And we're not talking about how, you know, again, morals have been totally rejected from our culture and, and replaced with progressivism. So it's no wonder why people aren't living, um, you know, a very godly life or, or making, making choices that are just so extreme and so uh, destructive. They don't have a moral compass. We're not teaching that from the schools up. We're not teaching anything like that anymore. Um, and the media, of course, is just drowning in uh, depravity, right? And I'm not coming to you from like this, like saintly, like uh, you know, position. I mean, I had some liberal days in my life too, and I'm totally not perfect. But it's just like I see it from from this perspective that those are some of the things we need to change from the ground up if we really want to make changes, like heal the homeless problem or mental health or shootings. It's not just going to be like addressing the symptom; we need to address the root problem. Yeah, so so let's so let's deal with like the the homeless. Let's say the homelessness problem because that because that's that's a huge issue in in San Francisco, right? Mm-hmm. And so so we we understand the root problem is going to be the is going to be the the lack of the family structure in general mm-hmm. that's very yes. evident in almost every single progressive uh you know city and state pretty much yes and and i think a lot of that is because we're getting away from uh our judeo christian roots and we're getting away from what the bible teaches and that sort of thing and i mean clearly i think god's way is the right way i think and yeah. and so i so i think that we're getting away from that too much but but also i think that you know i think the question then becomes so what do we do as the government to actually mm-hmm. help t- to promote this kind of stuff because i think that you and i both agree 
okay, here's the problem. Yes. But now what? What do we do as the government to actually fix this? Yes. So, and that's something that I'm trying to champion. Now, um, I am so sorry. I hope that we can do a part two, but InfoWars is calling me right now. No, yeah. Um, I had a scheduled, uh, I had a, an interview with them at three, uh, in five minutes, but I guess they're calling me a few minutes early to sure. test. So I'm I'm on InfoWars if you want to follow the conversation on InfoWars right now. Go for it. Um, thank you so much for the call. And I would love to do a part two next week. If of you're course, up for that. let's plan on it. Okay, thanks so much. Of I appreciate course. it. And then um, we'll talk to you soon. God bless. Sounds good. Bye. Thank you. Okay, everybody. So, uh, so yeah. So th that's uh, go go check out her interview right now on Infowars, um, and you and then that way you can uh, hear more of her messaging. I'm gonna touch touch base with her again here shortly, and then we will get her back on next week, and we'll kind of finish this up because I feel like there there's a lot of issues that we can be covering, especially in dealing with San Francisco, which I think is the most evident example of progressive liberal politics in implemented into the public sphere and we see it just being disastrous so uh yeah go check her out on Infowars right now and then um we will have her back on next week as well uh monday we've got michael johns coming in who is the co-founder of the tea party so he's going to be coming on and we're going to be discussing more about a lot of these issues that we were talking with diana about uh but more of a kind of a broad scale national national scale that sort of thing so that, that'll be fascinating. So Monday, I believe we're going live at 3 o'clock Pacific time. And then um, I will let you guys know when we're going to come back with Deanna. And we shall go from there. Uh, but yeah, thanks for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org.